In this episode, we're going to talk about some playmakers, both on the defensive and mostly the offensive side. Jersey number 81 is coming up, and we have Joe Ziemba telling us all about these great players, that historian he is. And the 81s and the greatest players that ever wear it are coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com, and we have another bonus edition, Football by Numbers, jersey number 81 tonight, and we have our good friend Joe Ziemba to help us uh, with this. Uh, Joe Ziemba, when football was football, the book, the podcast, uh, the great historian. Joe Ziemba, welcome back to the Pigpen. Darren, thank you so much. That's very nice of you to say those nice things. Uh, the check is in the mail, of course, but <laughs> we're we're looking at a, an incredible group that wore number 81. Sometimes when we talk, there I mean, we may struggle to get the top 10 because either guys didn't wear it long enough or maybe their achievements weren't worthy of the, uh, the pigskin top 10. But some of the folks we're going to talk about tonight, for example, we have a defensive back in the Hall of Fame who was such a, I'm not going to say dirty player, but such a ferocious or aggressive player that the NFL put in some new rules to calm him down a little bit. And then we have another Hall of Famer who played in the high school band rather than playing football. And finally, we have a contestant who was actually on the TV show Amazing Race with his wife and took third place. So all sorts of good stuff. we got a whole bunch of Hall of Famers and then just the whole trail of guys leading up that maybe will be in the Hall of Fame someday. Yeah, this uh, when you say that, we've had some tough times picking a top 10, but sort of the opposite is a tough time picking a top 10 because the Pro Football Hall of Fame gives us a, a big head start on this one. I have down that they marked 13 different players that are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that wore number 81. Now, one uh, before we came on, we were discussing, they have Deacon Jones wearing number 81, and neither you or I could find where, where he wore 81, so we probably won't be discussing that great player tonight. So uh, just going down to the rest of the list of those uh, players were number 81, uh, no particular order. We have Carl Eller, Terrell Owens, Tim Brown, Randy Moss, Shannon Sharp, Art Monk, Andy Robostelli, Night Train Lane, uh, Dick was his first name, George Connor, Jackie Smith, Calvin Johnson, and Doug Atkins. That's uh, quite a quite a team right there. That is an all-star lineup for sure, and I hope we can do them justice by giving our little snapshots of their careers. I, I hope we too. Well, we'll just give it our, our great college try here to talk about these pros. Good, and maybe I'll start out with a couple of guys with Chicago connections, which uh, you know sometimes is my preference. I'll start out with one of the biggest names of all with Night Train Lane. As you mentioned, his name is Richard Lane, a defensive back, also played some end, played 14 years in the NFL, all of them with number 81. Mostly known for the six years with the Cardinals and six years with the Lions, but 
I was looking into his life. Uh, he was abandoned as a child, uh, but still came around to be a seven-time uh, pro bowler. He was named to the Hall of Fame's all-1950s team. But you might wonder, where did he get the name Night Train? Well, there apparently when he was uh, playing for one of the teams, there was a record out called Night Train by Jimmy Forrest. And he really liked it. Every time they would put that on in the locker room, he would start dancing. And that led to one of the more famous headlines in pro football history. And you'll see where this is going when he went up against Choo Choo Justice of the Washington Redskins. And the headline the next day, Night Train had a good day. It said, Night Train derails Choo Choo. I love that headline. <laughs> and, and for such a a ferocious guy in the field. He actually spent 17 years running the Detroit Police Department's athletic league. So I thought that was interesting. But he was the guy I kind of alluded to in our opening comments that for some rules changes, Night Train really loved the clothesline, a ball carrier. He would take him out with his arm uh, above the neck. Often, because this was legal, he would use the face mask to snap a runner down to the ground. And so the league put in the uh, no face mask rule because of night train lane, which I did not know about. Uh, so the clothesline was later prohibited as well. And night train, he wasn't sure those he should have been outlawed for that or his, uh, his way of playing. He said, my object is to stop the guy before he gains another inch. If I hit them in the legs, they may fall forward for a first down. So I grab them around the neck so I can go back to the bench and sit down. And in the uh, book Paper Lion by George Plimpton, he writes something about when Night Train Lane really put a hit on Y.A. Tittle, the Giants quarterback in 62, and he said that hit literally knocked the plays out of Y.A. Tittle's head. He rendered the quarterback unable to remember any of the Giants' plays until after halftime. But he was in NFL history. There was a poll one time that voted him the second most feared tackler in NFL history behind Dick Butkus. And Night Train Lane, or Richard Lane if we prefer, still holds the NFL season record for 14 interceptions. So Night Train, Hall of Famer, long career, or 81 every year. I'm going to nominate him right off the bat to possibly be in our top 10 list. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. You look at his statistics, his first year in the league with the Rams, uh, he led the league with 14 interceptions and 298 yards, like you just said. And then his first year with the Cardinals in uh, 1954, he again led the league with interceptions, 10 and 181 yards returned. So some pretty good numbers in his first three years and uh, the rest of his career as well. Very consistent player. He certainly was. Okay. Uh, who do you, would you like to talk about next? Yeah, let's talk about a couple of Chicago Bears. You see what I do with the S in Chicago on the south side, the S becomes a Z, so Bears. We have a, a grocery store called the Jewel, which becomes the Jewels. So I apologize for that. Let's get right into talking about Doug Atkins, six foot eight, 200 and almost 60 pound defensive end, Hall of Famer. He was a giant man, he was quick. 17 years in the league, 15 of those with number 81, but best known for his 12 years with the Bears. He was an NFL champion twice, and he had an extraordinarily, uh, he was listed or named eight times to the Pro Bowl. 
before, uh, before, of course, the Hall of Fame brought him in. But I found a great quote about him. It was from John Facenda. I believe I pronounced that right. The narrator from NFL Films, who once said about Atkins, Atkins is like a storm rolling over a Kansas farmhouse. He came from all directions, and all there was to do was to tie down what you could and hope he didn't take off the roof. So that was Dud Atkins, another consideration for our top 10 tonight. Absolutely. Another great player that uh, you brought out of the passer. I'm glad you mentioned him again, too. Okay. Uh, what direction would you like to go next, Joe? Well, the other bear was a guy who went both ways and throughout his career would start in 48 and ended in 55 was a Notre Dame graduate named George Connor played tackle and offense, but he was known as one of the first of the real linebackers who would move around. He spent eight years with the bears. He only wore number 81, four years. So that may impact our decision tonight, but he was named all pro five times and was a member of the hall of fame's all 1940s team. Also, he's one of the 100s greatest bears of all time. But this giant of a man at 6'3", 240, was actually born prematurely, weighed less than three pounds at birth, uh, but became an outstanding player for the Bears. Uh, the sports writer Grantlin Rice once said about Connor that he was the closest thing to a Greek god since Apollo. Uh, George Hallis, the longtime, of course, owner and coach of the Bears, he said, we always set high standards for George Conner, and he exceeded them. So he was, as we said, one of the first of those that uh, mobile defensive men who was big, strong, and, and could move very quickly. So George Conner of the Chicago Bears. Uh, yeah, nice career he had. Only eight seasons, but boy, he really had some great numbers during those seasons. Had quite an impact uh, on his uh, teams he played on with the Bears. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you have another uh, older one you want to talk about too? Yeah. Um, we'll talk about Andy Robustelli. Andrew Richard Robustelli, a defensive end, uh, played for the Rams, the Giants, uh, 14 years in the league, nine in which he wore number 81, elected to the Hall of Fame in 1971. But he came out of nowhere. He was a 19th round pick by the Rams because he played at a small place called Arnold College, which I don't even think is in existence anymore. He was the seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL champ, and he won the 1962 Burke Bell Award. He enlisted in the, um, I think it was the uh, Army when he was only 18 years old during World War II, but uh, came back, finished his education, had a long career. Purchased a travel agency after he retired, but he also became the director of operations for the Giants, which I guess they didn't have the real title of general manager then, but he might have been the first general manager of the Giants. But talking about his playing career, his uh, teammate, defensive back Dick Lynch, once said about Andy, he said, Andy made the big play in the clutch. I remember when we were playing Pittsburgh, which was trying to get into position for a field goal. We just had to get the ball. Andy tore in, upset the quarterback hard enough to fumble. Andy recovered the ball, and we were saved. So an aggressive and another ferocious defender, Andy Robustelli. Yeah, those are some uh, great, great players from uh, the Wayback Machine here. You know, over five decades for some of these guys, six decades that they played. But uh, we're still talking about them today. That's a testament to the great play that they had in the NFL and why they made the Pro Football Hall of Fame as well. 
Yes. Uh, I, I've got a, a few modern players here, uh, more modern players. Uh, one that we just saw uh, just less than a month ago going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, our, our partner on Sports History Network, uh, Arnie Chapman, one of his fan favorites is Calvin Johnson, uh, Megatron. You know, th- this man was just a beast among men, uh, six foot five, 237 pounds out of Georgia Tech. And uh, he was a second overall pick in the, uh, the draft of 2007 for the NFL. And, you know, this he had 130 starts and 135 games that he dressed for. And the reason they called him Megatron is he was just, you know, a big guy for one. We just told you his size. And he, he was very robotic-like and very smooth and fluid in his motions and uh, reminded uh, you know whoever named him that, I think it was some of his co-players of the uh, character in the Transformers movies and, and comic books uh, from you know the years back that uh, that was sort of the bad guy. He was a big uh, dominant player uh, in that those movies. So that's where Megatron got his name. But he uh, earned NFL pass receiving yardage titles in 2011, 2012. And when he retired in 2015, which is a little bit early, a lot of people felt uh, he held the NFL records for receiving yards in a season with over 19,060 in 2012. And the most most consecutive games with a hundred or more receiving yards with eight. Uh, still, he holds the, the Lions' records for most of the receptions with 731 and receiving yards 11,619. You think about all those great traditions of you know awesome players with the Lions. Uh, Calvin Johnson definitely right up there at the top. You know, he's a very dominant player, and uh, in his career. Uh, he had a nine-year career, made six Pro Bowls, three times as an All-Pro, and was on the, the Hall of Fame's All-Decade t- team of the 2010s, uh, wore 81 his entire career. You know, tremendous player, Calvin Johnson. And I think all of his opponents in the division were grateful when he took that early retirement. But I always thought the football was made of some kind of metal, and he had magnets in his hands. That guy was just such an incredible receiver. And uh, we miss watching him play, even though he was on the other side. Most definitely. Now, another player from more of the modern era is another great receiver, and that's Randy Moss. And Randy, he had an awesome career himself. He played a little bit longer than than Megatron did. Came in in 1998 with the Minnesota Vikings, if you remember way back then, was teamed up with uh, Chris Carter. And they had uh, some great teams going on there. And, uh, you know, just a, a fact that not a lot of people know when Chris Carter and Randy Moss were receivers with the Vikings, they were to, uh, had the tutelage. They're teaching another receiver, Larry Fitzgerald, who I believe was the ball boy on those Vikings. Oh, teams. yes. Because his dad was, uh, was one of the assistant coaches, I believe. So you know, he had some pretty good teachers there with those two great Hall of Famers. And he'll, I'm sure he'll be a Hall of Famer himself uh, here in a few years. But, uh, you know, Randy, you know, when he left Minnesota, he played for the Oakland Raiders for a couple of seasons and then went famously to the New England Patriots and helped them go on that, that run there in the, the late 2007 through 2010 seasons. Um, you know, teamed up with uh, Tom Brady and made him just took him to a whole different level. But, you know, that, that man, uh, you know, he had uh, six Pro Bowls himself, uh, four times as an All-Pro all 2000s team, 1998 AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. And, uh, you know, just, you know, stats going off the charts. Um, you know, his touchdown numbers were, you know, enormous. You know, 17 touchdowns as a rookie. 
uh, you know, 15 in year three, you know, he hit 17 again, uh, another year mid season. And then with new England, he took that up a notch his first year with the Patriots, 23 touchdowns in a season. So, you know, another great uh, man that just had some hands of glue that uh, anything thrown at him, he would catch. And, you know, Randy wore the jersey for only four seasons, though. So maybe that's, that's not enough to get him on our list, but uh, a tremendous player all the same, you know, because he wore uh, like uh, three or four different numbers, I believe, during his career. Uh, but I want to make sure we mention him. Um, do, do you have some other players you'd like to talk about? Yeah, we got another receiver, uh, James Arthur Monk, Art Monk. Uh, three-time Super Bowl winner, three times in the Pro Bowl, uh, played uh, just about all of his career with Washington, last couple of years with uh, the Jets in Philadelphia. So he had a long, long career, uh, wore number 81, uh, all except his last season. He was the first to have over 102 receptions in one season. He did that in 1984 with an incredible 106 catches. 1,372 yards. And when you look over his career statistics, they're mind-boggling. 940 catches for two, over almost 13,000 yards wow. And uh, as a wide receiver. So, as I mentioned, that uh, he was recognized for his, his work and being in the Pro Bowl and also a member of the Hall of Fame's all-1980s team. So, a consistent performer throughout his career, Art Monk. Yeah, great, great player. I, I can remember his his playing days and uh, very uh, formidable opponent for DBs to go up against. They, I don't think they like playing against him, but he was sort of an iron sharpens iron guy. I think uh, I read something not too long ago. He credits a lot with uh, and uh, Daryl Green being opposite him in practice quite a bit. They had quite a few years together in their career, um, you know, more so at the beginning of uh, Daryl Green's career. But, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron and two great players from Washington. Okay. Uh, we have another another receiver, a tight end. We're going to go a little bit backwards uh, for Jackie Smith, who had uh, oh, yes. a great long career with the St. Louis Cardinals, 15 years with the Cardinals, finished up with Dallas for 16 years, and all with number 81, voted into Hall of Fame in 1994. At the time, he was only the third tight end to be elected into the Hall of Fame, but he was the one I mentioned when we started. He was in the school band in high school, didn't play freshman football. Uh, someone said, hey, you should go out for football. And he got hurt just about every year. So he ended up only playing five football games during his high school career. And yet when he retired from the NFL, uh, he had the most reception yards of all tight ends uh, in the Hall of Fame, I believe. And his 16.5 average per catch is still the highest for all the tight ends that are in the Hall of Fame. So uh, Jackie Smith, great, great, long career. Then 15 years with number 81, wearing number 81. Yeah, tremendous player. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people, they only remember that that last season he played, he went with the Cowboys and had a, you know, a, a decent season with them. He just wanted a championship ring and they made it to the Super Bowl. And unfortunately he had that, that drop pass on a, I believe it was a third <laughs> yes. down play and uh, yeah. the Cowboys ended up kicking a field goal and lost by four, but uh, you know, people shouldn't remember for that. They should remember for the great statistics he had for all those great banner years with the Cardinals. Uh, Cause he was definitely uh, one of the best tight ends ever to play. Yeah. He was almost 500 catches for nearly 8,000 yards during his career. Yeah, most definitely. 
Okay. Uh, we'll go back uh, to, to one other Hall of Famer we didn't mention because we're so top-heavy with receivers. And this would be Carl Eller, a defensive end in the Hall of Fame. He played 16 years, and except for his final year, which was with Seattle, he played with Minnesota, made it to the Hall of Fame in 2004. And I believe he is still the Vikings' all-time sack leader with 130 and a half sacks. In 91, he was voted the NFL's Defensive Player of the Year. And his his quarterback talked about him. He said, this is Fran Tarkington, said, Carl Eller was ahead of his time. He was a huge man. He had great speed. He had great athletic ability. He had great intellect. He understood the game, and he was the dominant outside pass rusher of his day. Then Tarkington said, no defensive end has ever played has ever been any better and Carl Eller, and he was 6'6", 247, and quick as a cat on his way to six Pro Bowls and a member of the Hall of Fame's all-1970s team. Yeah, boy, who, when you have uh, five All-Pro seasons and you know the championship in 69 with the, uh, the Vikings, uh, people forget about those Vikings having that championship because it was the, still the NFL and the AFL there. And the, the, I believe that was when the Vikings won the NFL championship, but uh, didn't win the Super Bowl. But uh, yeah, great, uh, great defensive player for the uh, Vikings and Carl Eller. Um, now, I've got a, a couple more players out here that are in the Hall of Fame that I'd like to talk about. And one of them is sort of a real controversial figure, uh, Terrell Owens. Now, now, Terrell, you know, he came on like gangbusters uh, with the San Francisco 49ers when they, they picked him up in uh, 1996 and, uh, you know, had some tremendous seasons with them and stayed with that team for eight seasons. Uh, and then he started bouncing around the league. I think he had a little bit of controversy with the coach, with the quarterbacks. Uh, you know, he was one of those uh, early uh, wide receivers that they were donning with the term uh, um, diva. And, uh, you know, uh. got his way a little bit. You know, the media went crazy with that. I think they went a little overboard. But he went to the Philadelphia Eagles for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, with Donovan McNabb and was uh, playing with them and Andy Reid. And uh, left there, then went to the uh, division rival, the Dallas Cowboys, for three seasons. And, you know, that was kind of an interesting story that he went to Dallas because earlier in his career with San Francisco, he scored a touchdown and ran out to the giant star in the middle of Dallas's field and spiked the ball. And I, I believe uh, some of the Dallas players didn't find that uh, too <laughs> fancy and uh, came right. out and uh, gave him some extra licks there out at the, the midfield stripe there. Uh, but then he, you know, finished up his career a year in Buffalo, a year in Cincinnati, and uh, in 2010. And I heard a couple of years ago that he was trying to come back in. I believe it wasn't too long ago he was trying to oh, come back boy. in the league after some retirement. But uh, I don't think he's going to do that now. Now that he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but six Pro Bowls, five times as an All Pro, and uh, just a tremendous player. And he's right up there on the, the list of all-time receptions. Nowhere near, you know, Jerry Rice, but he has 1,078 catches, uh, just less a few uh, yards shy of 16,000 yards, 153 touchdowns. And, uh, you know, he's, in fact, he's second all-time in touchdown receptions and third with passes caught. You know, that's just an amazing feat for a guy that's sort of a journeyman for much of his career. Didn't stick with that one team, but played with some awesome quarterbacks and some great offenses, and he made them all a little bit better. Uh, another player I wanted to talk about is Tim Brown. 
you know, Tim Brown, I think he wore the Jersey for 17 seasons and for a wide receiver, you know, we talked about Jackie Smith was 16, Art Monk was 15, but Tim Brown, 17 and, uh, you know, a great Notre Dame player. Um, I believe he won the Heisman trophy. I'm, I think it was late eighties when he won that. Um, but, uh, you know, just uh, fantastic when he came to the NFL with the Oakland Raiders and, you know, not only as a wide receiver, but as a kick returner and punt returner as well. And, you know, his, his, another guy, his stats are just scream right off the charts. Um, first round pick six player overall in the 1988 draft set the Raiders franchise records for receptions, receiving yards and punt returns. Uh, there's not too many people that can say they did that for their franchise. And when he retired, uh, you know, those 14,934 receiving yards were second highest total in NFL history, nine pro bowls in all 1990s team. But I couldn't see where Tim Brown ever was an all pro, which kind of surprised me with all the great yeah. uh, seasons that he had. Tim Brown, you know, another one of these uh, great, uh, more modern wide receivers that just dominated what they did. I don't know where all these guys were grabbing 81s when they were coming out to their teams out of college and really uh, played well. Now, a, a th- another player that we want to talk about is uh, Shannon Sharp. Now, Shannon only wore number 81 for uh, two seasons. I have him down as. Right. But, uh, but, you know, there's another big receiver that was just, you know, dominant. Uh, he played tight end, I guess, actually, uh, with the Green Bay Packers for, uh, I'm sorry, with the Denver Broncos uh, for his career. His brother played for the Green Bay Packers. But he was spent uh, 12 seasons with Denver and then uh, two seasons with Baltimore and then went back to Denver again near the end of his career. But, you know, another, another guy just had uh, tremendous uh, – a catching circle, you know, eight Pro Bowls, uh, four All Pro seasons, three time Super Bowl champion, uh, both with uh, Denver and with the Ravens, and, uh, you know, all 1990s team. But again, only wore two seasons of uh, having jersey number 81. And those were his first two seasons in Denver. I'm not sure why he made the change. That must be somebody uh, wanted the number when they came to the team and he was only in his third year. Not sure. Didn't have the story on that. But, um, yeah, out of Savannah State, too, is his college. So <laughs> when you have that and you team that up with his brother, you know, was another great uh, player in the NFL. Uh, the Sharp family really had some great bloodlines there. I think we, we did do the Hall of Famers. Then I've got three or four receivers. Well, another, another great player was Russ Francis. Uh, played with New oh, England yeah. for a good part of his career. Went out to San Francisco, 6'6", 240". And he started in 1975. He played 13 years in the league and all but one wearing number 81 on his way to three Pro Bowls, one Super Bowl. A great all-round athlete, uh, Russ Francis was. He was the, uh, held the national record for the javelin throw as a high school player or athlete. And he briefly tried pro wrestling so after his football career, but he again was a really rugged tight end. In fact, the famous legendary announcer Howard Cosell once said about Russ Francis, he was an all-world tight end. And uh, he was also in the finals of the Superstars TV show, which brought athletes from different uh, sports to compete against each other. But some really good numbers for his career, uh, 393 catches for uh, over 5,000 yards during that long career as a tight end. So Russ Francis is one I wanted to mention. Um, another one, another wide receiver is Amani Toomer. 
13 years with the Giants, 11, wearing number 81. He's already in the Giants' ring of honor. Uh, five straight years with over 1,000 yards in receiving. And he still holds 16 Giants receiving records, even though he's been out of the league since 2008. So Monty Toomer, a wide receiver, known for his time with the Giants, is another one I'd like to mention. Yeah. Now, one that may come up in the future is uh, Anquan Bolden. hope I pronounced that right. Yes. Played for the Arizona Cardinals, 14 years total. He also played for Baltimore and San Francisco and Detroit. Boy, his numbers are really off the board. 1,076 catches for almost 14,000 yards. He's not eligible for the Hall of Fame right now, but I think next year he might be. Uh, three times Pro Bowler, one time uh, Super Bowl winner. He was Rookie of the Year in 2003, but boy, those monster numbers. Yeah, He also, off the field, won the 2015 Walter Payton Man of the Year. But he was one of those guys that made an initial impression. Uh, in his first game, he set an NFL receiving record uh, for rookies for, by 217 receiving yards, which is amazing back in 2003. So he's still, uh, with all the many accomplishments he had, uh, even though he retired rather early in the beginning of before the 2017 season, he's the fastest to 300 career receptions, only took him 47 games. He has the most receptions in his first 26 games with 157. And he was the fastest also to hit 400 and 500 career uh, receptions and 7,000 yards in his career. So he still holds some records for both the Cardinals and, and the Ravens, I believe. Uh, again, great numbers. Maybe someday we will see him in the Hall of Fame, but seven seasons with over 1,000 yards receiving. Yeah, he really broke the back of many a defense on third down. He was a great possession receiver because he was just had such a thick build when he played, you know, six one, two hundred twenty pounds, but just a wide target. Uh, and, you know, those little slant patterns he would run because he was quick, you know, had quick feet. And it was, it was tough for DBs that were much smaller than him most of the time to, to cover him. Just a great possession receiver. And I think that's one of the reasons he had 82 touchdowns, but probably could have had a lot more. But he was playing, you know, with some great outside guys, you know, like Larry Fitzgerald for a majority of his career. And I think Steve Smith, even a little bit uh, with the, with the, the Baltimore, I might be mistaken on that, but they, I know they had some speedsters out there, but uh, he, he was that guy over the middle. You could always count on for the quarterback's best friend next to the tight end. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. Hey, here's a guy, Darren, you might enjoy. I always like finding players who nearly a half century away from the game still hold some records. And that's Carol Dale known for his work as a receiver, wide receiver, tight end, flanker with the Packers. I uh, also played with the Rams, of course, and this final year with Minnesota, 14 years in the league. He only wore number 81 five times, five years, but three times a pro bowler, three times an NFL champion, and he was a part of uh, those first two Super Bowls with Green Bay. When we talk about a record holder, he still holds three Green Bay records for most yards uh, average for receptions with 19.72 and uh, multi -yard, most yards uh, average reception per game of 46.5 uh, for his average. And also in the playoffs with 18.41. So that's a catch, the average reception yards per, per catch. So 
some pretty lofty numbers. He was named to the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame in 1979, the College Football Hall of Fame in 1987. And you probably didn't know this, Darren, that the high school stadium, J.J. Kelly, where he went to high school, is named after him. So it's the Carroll Dale Stadium where he went to high school in Virginia. Wow, I did so not know that. Some big numbers, and it's been a long time, but he's still waiting for that call from the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, maybe we'll see him get in there one of these days, too. <laughs> you know, great name from the past. Uh, do you have anybody else you'd like to talk about? I do. I have some favorite receivers that may not make our list, but they're fun, so I'll go through them kind of quickly. Okay. One is uh, William Arthur Johnson. We all know him as White Shoes Johnson. When he was in high school, he used to dye his shoes white. That name stuck with him. <laughs> and he was one of the first receivers when he scored a touchdown. We talked about Terrell Owens. And, but Billy uh, White Shoes Johnson, he liked to do a dance called the Funky Chicken every time he scored. So he was known for that. Uh, I, I've of, heard that you've been known to do that same dance uh, sometimes. Well, I tried, but my knees left the building the same time as Elvis. <laughs> okay. so, uh, I don't think we're going to get that going. <laughs> you know, Billy, uh, Billy Johnson was named to the Hall of Fame All-1970s team, and he was also named as a punt returner on the NFL's 75th year anniversary team, and he's the only one named to that 75th anniversary team that's not in the Hall of Fame. Wow. So uh, 14 years, uh, as I said, and three years all pro, but gee, a uh, really great receiver and uh, returner. After his football career was over, no, during his football career, he also tried playing pro softball. And he's now coaching in Georgia at Duluth High School. So he, he really, um, when we talk about Lee's competing, when he came out of uh, college, he played a year in Canada where he got a, a nice uh, salary, I guess, to go up there, but came back to the NFL and made the all 70s team and the all 80s team. So uh, Billy White Shoes Johnson. And another guy real quick who played for the Bears, uh, Bobby Ingram, 14 years in a career with the Bears in Seattle. Uh, great year in 1998 when he had uh, 987 yards receiving with 64 receptions. So Probably not in our top 10 tonight, but uh, wanted to mention him because of the numbers that he did put up in his career. He did have 650 catches for nearly 8,000 yards. And we talked yeah. about brothers playing earlier. So I wanted to mention Rocket Ishmael. And his brothers' nicknames were Missile and Bomb. So we had Rocket, Missile, and Bomb all played football. He spent nine years in the NFL, six years wearing number 81. Um, he signed a record contract with Toronto coming out of college, out of Notre Dame. Everyone expected him to be the number one draft choice. Instead, he took the biggest contract from what I understand in the history of Canadian football. He would have been the number one choice. But he played well in Canada. He was an all-star in 1990. What year was that? I should have written it down, I guess. And he was the MVP of the 79th Grey Cup after being second in the Heisman Trophy running while he was at Notre Dame. And then one more receiver of note going back a few years is Howard Twilley, who played at Tulsa. We don't see a lot of big pro names coming out of Tulsa, but he won two Super Bowls. 
And after finishing also like uh, the Rocket did second in the Heisman Trophy in 1965. And that year he was set an NCAA record, which has since been broken with 1,779 receiving yards. He joined the Dolphins. Uh, he actually spent his entire career, 11 years with Miami. And he was only one of two players that were on the original Dolphins team in 66, who were then on the perfect 1972 team. And did you know, Darren, that after he retired, he owned 28 of the athlete foot stores. So he did well off the field as well. No, I did not know that. <laughs> now, I have a couple more uh, players that I don't think we, we mentioned, but stop me if I if we did, because sometimes I forget to mark them down. But uh, Tory Holt, you know, one of those uh, great receivers, best known from the greatest show on turf, uh, you know, he was another one that, that had seven Pro Bowls, one time as an All-Pro. You know, of course, that Super Bowl championship with Kurt Warner and the rest of the, uh, the fellows there with the Rams. Uh, and all 2000s Hall of Fame, uh, all-decade team for him. And, you know, during his career, uh, 13,382 yards, 74 touchdowns and, uh, in 173 games. So a great career for, for him, for Torrey Holt. Uh, Terrence Mathis is another player, uh, only made the Pro Bowl one time, but he was, uh, you know, a, a fantastic uh, wide receiver with the New York Jets for four seasons and then went to Atlanta for another eight seasons and played a final season in Pittsburgh in 2002. Uh, you know, a nice career for him, a little over 8,800 yards and 63 touchdowns. Uh, Jack Gregory, a defensive end uh, from uh, some of those great Cleveland teams of the late 1960s, early 70s, and uh, then became a giant in 1972 and returned to Cleveland. Uh, but he, he's another one, had 106 uh, unofficial sacks, according to the Pro Football Reference, uh, the work of uh, John Turney and Nick Webster uh, recently. We got that. And I'm not sure if I'm going to say his name right. Maybe you can correct me. Wardell Bross. Of the, the yeah, Colts. actually, I looked that up, and it's Bracy, Bracy, Bracy. Yeah. Okay, I mean, those are some great Colts teams. You know, fifty-seven. You know, played. So that means he played in the fifty-eight uh, greatest game ever played. Yeah. Uh, uh, also played all the way through nineteen sixty-eight. So I think he might have just missed Super Bowl three, but uh, played on some of those great yeah. teams. I think uh, you know Art Donovan was uh, one of his teammates for for much of his career, and uh, you know another great player. That, that we should uh, remember here, two Pro Bowls for him and three NFL championships uh, with the Colts. It was so. interesting that apparently he hosted a TV show with Art Donovan. Can you imagine those two guys getting <laughs> together? That had to be great. And uh, Bracey was a great, great passionate rusher. And there's a good quote about that from him from those early years. He said, I learned that if you want to stay around, you darn well better get in the passer's face. That's a great quote from a defensive end. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be messing with that uh, defensive line of those Colts. Uh, there, there's some uh, bad gentlemen there playing. You know, good, great football players, but they're sure mean on the football field. The, the opposition, yeah. that's for sure. Now, do you have anybody else you want to mention before we go into? Yeah, our... just a couple quick ones, and we okay. can get on with our voting. Uh, okay, Marcus Pollard, uh, a tight end. Played in the league 14 years, wore number 81 for 13 of those years. Played on five teams. Another unique story. He never played college football. Really? And he got picked up by the Colts who saw some potential with him, and it took a little while to get going, but eventually he made his mark. And, oh, man, over uh, 349 receptions for 4,280 yards. But 
When we started our conversation tonight, he was the one. He and his wife finished third in the Amazing Race TV show. And then he now was director of player development for Jacksonville. So he stayed with the league after starting in 95 and ending up in 2008. Nice. Okay. And, uh, and the only one I have left is Jeff Graham, a wide receiver, 11 years. And I'm kind of looking for who wore that number 81. And he wore 81 all 11 years with six teams as a receiver. Um, uh, Jeff Graham played for uh, Pittsburgh, for Chicago, the Jets, Philadelphia, San Diego. Best years with the Bears in 95 with 82 receptions for 1,301 yards. And uh, now he's coaching high school football in Ohio. So Jeff Graham maybe won't make our top 10 list, but another gentleman that was in the, had a nice, long, solid, consistent career in the National Football League. Yeah, I, I agree. And I have maybe one more to add here. Anthony Carter, uh, you know, he played with the, both the Vikings and the Lions, uh, stayed in that NFC uh, Central, but had a little over uh, 7,700 7, yards, 55 touchdowns during his career. And, uh, you know, three, uh, three Pro Bowls for him. And, you know, probably not going to make our top 10, but still a significant player that we should mention. Okay, I think... Uh, we're probably at that point where we got to make the tough decisions here. Yeah. So we got a lot of, a lot of people here to choose from, you know, we have, uh, we, do. we have a dozen or so uh, hall of famers, you know, some of them we know didn't play very long. Let's just remind everybody of that. You know, Randy Moss only, I'm sorry, didn't wear the number 81 for that long. Randy Moss yeah. only wore it for four seasons, Shannon Sharp for two, George Connor for four and uh, everybody else wore it for nine years or longer. So, I'm not sure if, if, if on the grounds of that, maybe those, those folks are, are maybe not considered. Maybe they are. Some good yeah, I think there. we probably, because of our list, as of course looked up to in every, every week, media around the world checks on this list. So we've got to be <laughs> perfect with it. But I think we've got to have some criteria and maybe establishing a limit of five years this week only <laughs> to have worn the number 81 will, will help us reach our decision. Boy, that's just going to crush all the books in Vegas now. We just took those guys out. So, okay. So we got those three eliminated. So that takes us down to, I count, nine Hall of Famers and then a lot of great uh, players that are not in the Hall of Fame yet. But I, I really think, um, you know, Tim Brown probably ought to be, be on that list. He's one that uh, we probably ought to have on that list early here. Oh, right. Yeah. And I would probably say another one is uh, Dick Knight Train Lane. For you know his uh, great contributions, you, you agree with that? I do agree. Yes, okay. and uh, I'd like to put Doug Atkins in there. Uh, yeah, absolutely, another great player. So that is three. Uh, I think uh, Calvin Johnson definitely with what he did in such a short span. You know, he is uh, one of the best players to ever wear that number eighty-one. And plus, uh, we would probably both be getting a phone call uh, tonight after this airs. Uh, from a, a guy in Flint, Michigan, if we didn't do that. Uh, so that takes up four spots. Uh, and who else do you like on here? Well, uh, there's so many big names. Uh, I think Carl Eller should be on there. I agree. So that's five. Um, and, of course, I'm partial to Jackie Smith. Yeah, I, I think Jackie Smith should be on there. He was one of the, the best tight ends to ever play. So, I think he needs to be on there also. 
Um, okay, let's look here. Some of our non-Hall of Famers that we really like, you know, maybe a, maybe a Russ Francis. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. Russ Francis probably be my next choice. Of yeah, I, I've talked about. I agree. So he, there's our first non-Hall of Famer that got put on our list. That takes us to seven. We have three more to choose. Um, Art Monk, maybe. I mean, he had a great long career. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's eight years. Right. Right. Um, and boy, uh, here's kind of like Bolden's. Uh, yeah, Bolden's got some monster numbers for. Yeah, he definitely does. Yeah, we got to get Anquan on there. He was a great one. So we uh, that takes us to nine. Uh, we have one more to choose here for our top ten, and boy, there are so well, many. Do we good include Andy Robustelli? You know what? I think with the Hall of Fame credentials, I think that's a great pick. Yeah. So let me uh, review here and make sure we got ten. Uh, so we have uh, Tim Brown. Dick Night Train Lane, um, Doug Atkins, Calvin Johnson, Jackie Smith. Uh, well, maybe I missed. Maybe we only have nine. Um, Anquan Bolden, Russ Francis, and uh, Andy Robustelli, and Art Monk. I think. Oh, no, we do. Uh, Carl Eller. He's the one I miss. Carl Eller. Right. Yep, yep. So there's our 10. So, All wow. right. Yeah, that was that was even hard counting them at the end. There, there's so many <laughs> great players. I uh, I color code these as we talk, and I looks like I have a Crayola crayon box here on this one. This is a uh, one of the more colorful charts that we've made. So, wow, thank you. That was a. Uh, I'm. I don't know about you. I'm worked up a sweat. It's hot out already, and I think that, that was a, that was a good workout. That was a good one, and so many superb players. So I'm glad we got a chance to talk about them. That was great. Thank you, Darren. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. Now, what do you have coming up on the When Football Was Football podcast? You know, we're, we're anxiously awaiting to hear what's uh, coming up next. <laughs> Two, I think, intriguing shows. Of course, that's what I think. Others will fall asleep immediately. But our next episode is going to talk about what happened to the Chicago Bears when George Hallis ret- retired which he did three or four times, but the two times that he retired because he wanted to get away from it uh, back in the thirties. And then again, in the fifties and the forties, he went in the service. So he didn't really retire. And then he finally retired from football in 68. So we're going to see, did the bears fall apart completely without Papa bear at the helm or did they do okay? So there's some interesting stories there. And then the, the episode following Uh, we're going to look at some mini scandals of the NFL. We hear about the big scandals like Spygate and ineligible people, et cetera, or uh, rating rosters when it wasn't legal. But we're going to talk about little scandals that affected teams. For example, uh, a Chicago Cardinal player who turned his back on the team to become a Hollywood movie star. Or maybe uh, George Hallis dipping into the college ranks when everybody knew this is not Red Grange, it's after Grange. It was against the rules. So there'll be some fun stories there in our next two episodes, focusing on, again, some of the nice historical aspects of the National Football League. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Grange is what uh, immediately popped to my mind when you said this. So if it's not Grange, I'm going to have to listen in and see who you have to talk about on that. That's uh, very intriguing. Well, well, Joe, I, I thank you very much for sharing your knowledge once again and the great stories and research that you have on these uh, excellent players. You do them such great justice uh, to remember them by, and that's what we're all about. And we, we thank you for that and uh, appreciate your time tonight. 
Darren, thank you again for allowing me to, uh, to, to share some of this information we found. It's always a pleasure and just a lot of fun talking about it. So I hope we did justice to number 81 tonight. Thank you very much. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. 